Hare Krishna. Good morning to everybody. And Hare Krishna to all of you. We know you're out there listening in, so we're pleased to have you with us. Rupanugadas with you this morning. We're going to be chanting from the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam and giving up a discourse. So we'd be very pleased if you read along with us in your own books or on your smartphone. And that will be very nice. So our text today is number uh, 24. So we're reading from First Canto, uh, seventh chapter, and the verse is 24. Text number 24. And before we begin with the discourse, we will. Say our usual prayers to the Supreme Lord in in invocation. We are invoking His presence, invoking His blessings. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Gopi Janavalabha Girivaradhari Jaya Gopi Janavala Bhagiri Yashurandana Brajajana Ranjana Jamuna Tira Vandachari Jamuna Tira Vandachari Jai Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jai Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jai Gora Premananda, Hari Hari Bo. Jai Om Vishupad Paramahamsa Paribhajaka Charja Hasto Tarasata Sri Srimadha's Divine Loving Grace. Apaye Charanada Vinda Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharashi La Prabhupada Ki. Ananta Koti Vaishnavrinda Ki. Iskan Bibiti Fandra Charja Srila Prabhupada Ki. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki. Gora Premananda, Hari Hari Bo. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. 
All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga. Namo Vishnu Padaya Krishna Pastaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swaminiti Namane Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pacharine Nivishesha Shunyavari Pastyaktadeshatarine We're following up today on a class given by our God sister, Daishi Radhe Devi Dasi. Uh, she spoke on the 23rd text, text number 23, of the seventh chapter of the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, and gave a nice class on the concept of surrender with several different ways of looking at it. Very enjoyable. I listened to it uh, uh, yesterday during the class, and I also listened last night before I took rest to the class again. It usually takes me two or three listenings to really hear what has been said in the class. And she made some very nice points, very, very, uh, uh, very well-developed devotee in her spiritual life. So today, text number 24... We'll do word-for-word uh, word translation. Uh, well, no, we'll do the transliterations first. So repeat with me, please. Sa, eva, jiva, lokasya, maya, mohita, chetisa, vindhatse, svena, viryena, Shreyo Dharmadi Lakshanam. And now we'll sing it as poetry. Saiva Jiva Lokasya Maya Mohita Chetasa Vidhatse Svena Vinyena. Vidhatse Svena Viryena Shreyo Dharmari Lakshanam Once again, Saiva Jiva Lokasya Maya Mohita Chetasa Vidhatse Svena Viryena Shreyo Dharmadi Lakshanam Saiva Jiva Lokasya Maya Mohita Chetasa Vidhatse Svena Viryena Shreyo Dharmari Lakshanam. You want to chant, please? Saiva Jiva Lokasya Maya Mohita Chetasa Vidhatse Svena Viryena 
Jriyo Dharma Dilakshanam. Very good. So word for word translation. Saha. That transcendence. Eva. Certainly. Jivalokasya. Of the conditioned living beings. Maya Mohita. Captivated by the illusory energy. Jetasa, by the heart, vidatse, execute. Svena, by your own, viryena, influence. Sreya, ultimate good, dharma-ari, four principles of liberation. Lakshanam, characterized by translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. And yet, though you are beyond the purview of the material energy, you execute the four principles of liberation characterized by religion, and so on, for the ultimate good of the conditioned souls. So repeat with me, please. And yet, though you are beyond the purview of the material energy, you execute the four principles of liberation characterized by religion and so on for the ultimate good of the conditioned souls and purport by Srila Prabhupada. The personality of God is Sri Krishna, out of his causeless mercy, descends on the manifested world without being influenced by the material modes of nature. He is eternally beyond the material manifestations. He descends out of his causeless mercy only to reclaim the fallen souls who are captivated by the illusory energy. They are attacked by the material energy. And they want to enjoy her under false pretexts, although in essence the living entity is unable to enjoy. One is eternally the servitor of the Lord, and when he forgets this position, he thinks of enjoying the material world, but factually he is an illusion. The Lord descends to eradicate this false sense of enjoyment and thus reclaim conditioned souls back to Godhead. That is the all-merciful nature of the Lord for the fallen souls. Om Jnana Timinandasya Jnana Salakaya Chakshurun Militam Dena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanya Marobishtam Stabitam Jainabhutale Swayam Rupahakadamaya Dadati Swaparantikam Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Dutta Paragamalam Sri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Sri Rupam Sagadatam Sahagana Raghunatan Vitam Tam Sajivam Savadvaitam Savaduttam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Sri Vishakan Vitamscha 
He Krishna Karanasindo Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Taptakan Janagurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwadi Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vanchakalpa Tarubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhyevacha Patitanamba Vanebhyo Vaishnavibhyo Navo Namaha Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shiva Sadigor Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Grantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai So uh, what what's going on in this chapter is that Arjuna, Sri Arjuna, the mighty archer, is talking to his beloved and devoted friend, as I should say, one to whom he is devoted, Lord Sri Krishna, who is who has also taken up the position during the battle of Kurukshetra as chariot driver which is considered usually to be a less prestigious post than that of a warrior. But Lord Sri Krishna, uh, he would not take part in the battle as a warrior. In other words, he he gave his vow not to to take up a weapon. Uh, But he he would agree to to be personally on on one side or the other, either the Kauravas or the Pandavas. And since uh, he had seen Arjuna first and who had come to make his request, uh, Duryodhan also, heading up the other faction, had come to request. So uh, Krishna gave the first opportunity for making his request to Arjuna. He said, you can have me or you can have my armies, which consisted of millions of men. But you can, uh, But even if you take me, I will not fight in the battle. And Arjun, uh, knowing the power of Krishna and knowing his position, uh, chose to take Krishna himself to be on his side in the battle, even though Krishna had vowed not to take up a weapon. And of course, Duryodhan, who did not have the understanding of Krishna's position as the supreme personality of Godhead, chose to take all the Akshani forces that Krishna had at his command. So he, he was very happy that Arjuna had chosen only Krishna because now he increased the size of his army considerably in the fight that was going to take place between him, the Kauravas, and uh, Arjuna, or the Pandavas. So uh, right now we're right at the end of the battle in which uh, has, which has gone on for about 18 days. And during that battle, 640 million men have given up their lives. All of this was done by the arrangement of the Supreme Personality of Godhead to reduce the military burden on the earth, who was burdened down by all the phalanxes of military might. And so uh, Krishna, who was getting ready to end up his pastimes on the planet, wanted to take back 
with him to the spiritual world, all of those devotees who had who had chosen to come at, and be with Krishna during his pastimes on this planet. So there were millions of them, and, and many of them were engaged in the fighting. So Krishna wanted to get them off the planet, take them back with him. However, at the end of the battle, the son of the martial preceptor, uh, Dronacharya, uh, who was the military instructor for both the Pandavas and the Kauravas, the two opposing sides, the son of them, his name was Ashwatthama. And Ashwatthama had seen uh, his side of the battle defeated. In other words, his allegiance was to Duryodhan and the Kauravas. And he saw that all of the members of that Kaurava family who were participating in the battle had been killed. Uh, the 100 sons of Dhritarashtra were killed by one individual alone, and that was Bhima Sain. But now there's Ashwatthama left who was not killed. And he had watched uh, his, his master, Duryodhan, uh, be defeated uh, as the last member of the Kaurava family, uh, defeated by Arjuna, no, I'm sorry, by Bhima Sain. Uh, Bhima Sain uh, using his invincible club. But uh, Duryodhan was almost as great a warrior using the club as was Bhima Sain. Practically, they had very much the same skills. They were, they were both taught by the same instructor, uh, which was Lord Balaram. Lord Balaram was also a very, very skilled. Of course, he's, he's also the supreme personality of Godhead. But he taught both Duryodhan and Bhima uh, how to use the club in fighting. So now we're, we're here at the very last, and uh, um, Ashwatthama has, Ash, Ash, Ashwatthama has, has um, killed the five sleeping sons of Draupadi um, in order to get some kind of revenge on the Pandavas for having destroyed all the persons on his side of the army. And so um, he killed the, the five boys, sleeping boys, uh, the sons of Draupadi, and brought their heads, he decapitated them, brought their heads to uh, Duryodhan, who was lying there, suffering from his spine being broken, his thighs being broken by the powerful Bhima Sain. And uh, Duryodhan was not at all pleased by the fact that he had killed the sons of Draupadi. He was not happy about that at all. It was a very irreligious act, very cowardly thing to do. So when Arjuna finds out about it, he vows to Draupadi, to bring back uh, Ashwatthama and and uh, give him his uh, just punishment. He actually has said that once you have uh, attended the cremation of your boys' bodies, I will give you the head of Ashwatthama to take your bath on. So uh, this this was what Arjuna was doing. So he, he readied himself by gathering all kinds of uh, very powerful weapons he got on his cart, being driven by Lord Sri Krishna, and then they pursued Ashwatthama. Ashwatthama saw them coming from a distance. So he got down from his chariot, realizing that his horses were very tired. They'd been running at great speed to try to evade the attack of Arjuna. 
So he got down from his chariot and he set to his bow the Brahmastra weapon, which he had learned how to send by his father, uh, Dronacharya. Uh, but when the, when he released the, uh, the weapon, it, it lighted up the whole sky and Arjuna saw it from his chariot and he was afraid for his own life because it's such a powerful weapon. So he's talking to Krishna and asking him his advice. And Krishna is going to tell Arjuna, just use your own weapon, the Brahmastra weapon, and because you know how to retract it, and uh, Ashwatthama does not, you can retract both weapons at the same time. So Arjuna was getting around to that. But in the meantime, he is he's telling everyone about the 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 prowess and the and the glories of the supreme lord and therefore we got to today's verse which is this and yet though you are beyond the purview of the material energy you execute the four principles of liberation characterized by liber- by religion and so on for the ultimate good of the conditioned souls so we understand that lord krishna then his purpose for coming to this planet was to uh, enliven those who are devoted to him and destroy those who are miscreants. So I, I thought we'd, uh, we chose as a subject for today's discussion uh, getting relief from suffering because that's what Arjuna is implying that Krishna is, is making arrangements for. Living entities have come into this world to try to enjoy without Krishna. But Krishna is, is, he is so kind that even though they have chosen to leave him in the spiritual world and come into this material world, he knows that they're going to be faced with all kinds of suffering. So we might ask the question, why would Krishna construct a place that was full of suffering? Why does he create the material world in which the living entities suffer from the very moment of their births, even before they're born, in the womb of their mothers. They're bitten by all kinds of, of worms in, inside, the, uh, inside the uterus, um, inside the, uh, the uh, umbilical sac. So, um, <clears throat> why does Krishna do that? Well, Srimati Radharani was asked one time, what is the most valuable thing in this material world? And of course, she is forever in the spiritual world where there is no suffering at all, no anxiety even. That's the reason it's called Vaikunta. It's the place where there's no anxiety. And she answered the question then in a very shocking way. She said, the most valuable thing in this material world is suffering. Now, coming from the spiritual world in which her existence is full of pleasure, how could she possibly reach such a conclusion? Well, we know that unless a person in this material world is beset by some kind of disaster or miserable circumstance, the likelihood of their turning to some outside source for relief is very low. Not much likelihood at all. So what what do they do then? The living entities come into this world and they become enamored by this material energy of Maya. 
So they, from the very beginning, they learned from those persons around them. As a baby in the crib, even, they are learning about uh, ignorance of Maya, Maya's real position. And they're learning this from the other people who are around them, speaking to them. Um, and they develop attraction to the same material pleasures that the persons around them have become attracted to during their lifetimes. And the living entity becomes convinced that material happiness is a good thing and it's worth pursuing. But in the course of their lifetimes, they suffer all kinds of pain and disappointment. And for some, it occurs very early on. You hear of children who suffer pitiably in the hospitals, even though they have the best doctors attending to them. St. Jude's Hospital or Children's Medical Center here in Dallas. Uh, places where there are persons who are very highly trained in taking care of the material body, and yet uh, they they cannot actually bring lasting happiness to the, their little patients. And so the patients grow up and in, and pursue material pleasures just as their parents have done, just as their friends have done. And even though they suffer all kinds of pain and disappointment, they still follow the example of others. And they listen to the advertisements on television and radio telling them that they're going to be happy if you just buy this product. You will become a happy person. If you buy our automobile, you're going to look so good. And where do they always picture the automobiles? Out in the wildernesses, beautiful uh, towering trees around with crystal clear lakes, or they picture them driving across a big expanse of desert with the mountains in the background. So they try to make it look as though if you buy, if you simply go into debt for the next seven years or so and buy our car or our truck or our SUV, you're going to become happy just like these people that you're seeing in our video. And that they pay lots of money to get those videos made. So even though uh, the living entity sees the results of his attempt to become happy, and he wants to be happy all the time, not just part of the time, even though he sees the results, uh, the living entity still remains attached to this material world. Even though he's going through all kinds of disappointing circumstances, losing his job, losing his spouse, losing his children, losing practically his parents, losing everything, especially with a pandemic such as we're having now. We see some people are suffering suffering pitiably uh, in the face of that pandemic. So eventually, the living entity uh, tries to become freed from the attraction of Maya, uh, and how, how do they get to the point of wanting to become freed from that? In other words, some people just, they can't take it anymore. They don't see that there's any hope, so they wind up committing suicide. They take their own lives. And that's a very sinful thing to do because Krishna has given us a very valuable form of life in these human bodies. So the, even though the living entity experiences the mental and physical suffering, sometimes he receives hints of alternatives to the lifestyle that he's living. I did when I was younger. 
uh, back toward the end of my first first go at college. Um, and uh, after I, I, as soon as I got out, I was married, and my wife and I uh, moved to a very beautiful part of the country. We uh, started out in Chattanooga, Tennessee, then moved to Knoxville, Tennessee, with mountains within an hour's drive of us. Beautiful, beautiful country. Still, there was something there that was not there. There was something missing from our lives. And so we started getting hints that there are alternatives. And the first that we heard of this were we we read accounts of, of various mystics and the types of interesting experiences that they had, which were almost like out-of-body experiences. Very, very interesting to me and to my wife. <clears throat> and uh, so those were the alternatives that we we began to realize is this, is this, we begin to ask the question, is this really, really accessible to us? Can we really access these things? Do we have to go and live in these places where these personalities are experiencing something really interesting, transcendental? So we, we that we learned that term, transcendental, but we didn't know exactly what it meant. So getting the hints of that, we began to search for other possibilities, just like many people have done. Many of you who are listening in have probably searched for some alternatives to give you lasting happiness, lasting satisfaction, because that's what the soul wants. You know, I'd said that our nature is that sat, chit, anand. Sat means eternal, chit means full of knowledge, anand means full of happiness or bliss. And so that's what we want. So it's not, it's not unusual at all that the spirit soul comes into this world, gets disappointed enough, gets hurt enough that they start looking for something that is more like their real nature, not the nature of these bodies. And they begin searching for other possibilities. They come across uh, some interesting literature, such as those I was speaking of, mystical things, but we we couldn't find out how to make those things applicable in our own lives. I mean, we here we are working our working our working our hands to the bone uh, and uh, trying to scratch out a living in this material world. Just to have a decent house to live in, have some of the trappings that you know our parents had before us, and uh, and so. We, we, we are actually looking for some way to make our happiness continue and not be continually interrupted by some person that we work with or some family member who lives close by or, or you know, some, some source that is outside of us. We become very convinced that we're not the cause of all of our suffering. So we want to look, we want to try to find some way to get away from the suffering so that we can actually experience happiness such as maybe we had when we were very young. My wife and I both, both grew up in a rural community in, in Mississippi. And we, we experienced open fields and, and, and clear streams and rivers and, uh, and tall trees with all kinds of birds and animals around. Very idyllic. But, of course, at that time, we didn't know what we had. You know, it was a song that came out in the 60s, I believe. You don't know what you got till it's gone. They paved paradise and put up a parking lot. That was part of the song. 
So anyhow, we began looking, and so we had the good fortune of coming across some transcendental literature instead of those books on different kinds of mysticism that we'd been enjoying. And and when we came across transcendental, our, our first book was the from the first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, we had never heard the name Krishna before. This was 1973. Two years before that, we had decided to give up uh, eating meat, fish, meat and fish. And after a time, my wife even gave gave up eating eggs, and and we took to a vegetarian diet. But we didn't have any real spiritual basis for making that kind of change. It just seemed like the right thing to do at the time, a way to simplify our lives. So we we tried that. But then when we found that literature. Then we began searching for someone who was a practitioner of this knowledge that was being presented to us by this elderly, wise, sage, uh, saintly man, Srila Prabhupada. And we found them. Over, after a period of searching for a few years, we actually came into touch with, first of all, by mail with the New Vrindavan community up in West Virginia, we found out that there was a whole rural community up there with people who were actually practitioners of this philosophy. And we gave some thought about moving there, but we were really attracted to being in the South. And at that time, we were still around the Knoxville, Tennessee area. So eventually, we came across some persons who were living no more than 20 miles from us. And we had no idea that anywhere within a thousand miles of us, there were any people who were interested in practicing this same kind of religious philosophy as we were. And so, what what did we do? We accepted their friendship. They offered their friendship, and uh, we began going to visit with them and having Sunday programs at their house. They had just taken initiation from Srila Prabhupada. And we had the very good fortune of having somebody who was close by that we could be with. And eventually that led then to an introduction to the person that was to become our spiritual master, His Holiness Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj, who then uh, got to know that there were four householder couples living in Nashville and in Knoxville, Tennessee. He actually came up from Dallas at that time. This is right after Prabhupada's departure. He came up here and, 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 uh, and had some programs at, at the house in Nashville and the house in Knoxville. And we got to hear from him. And so we became attracted to him, his personality, his preaching. And, uh, and uh, he eventually invited us to move to Dallas. So the four couples, two from Nashville, two from Knoxville, picked up all our household belongings and, and made the great move to Dallas. And that was in 1979. So uh, we stayed for some time and left. We stayed a few months and left and then came back about a year after we'd come the first time. Came back in 1980. And so we began living here in this community of devotees in, in, in Dallas. A community that was just being reformed after Satarup Das Goswami Maharaj and his, uh, his followers moved up to the Gita Nagari farm in Pennsylvania. And this, this, this uh, as we called it at that time, this zone, which included also not only uh, Dallas and Houston, but also St. Louis and Chicago, uh, was given to be the responsibility of Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj. And we came, we came at his request 
to Dallas, which was kind of like a headquarters for him. He spent a lot of time here during the 80s and the 90s here in Dallas. And so that was that was a benefit to us. So we began to recognize the spiritual quality of, of those persons whom we called devotees. They were practitioners of this philosophy that we've been reading about now for about six or seven years. And, uh, and we began to take up devotional activities such as they were doing. And we learned that uh, from them that, you know, there are advanced spiritualists wandering around all over the planet who are disciples of His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. And so we we began to take guidance from His Holiness Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj because he was the person whom, who was first introduced to us as a an initiating spiritual master. We began to take his guidance and we made some drastic changes in our lifestyle. It was not easy coming from a kind of a middle class background. As many of you who are listening in today are probably also coming from yourselves. Uh, so you know that it's not easy then uh, once you have become accustomed to a certain amount of luxury in your life it's not easy to go back to maybe like uh, the lifestyle that your parents were living uh, before they ever began to have children. And so changing the lifestyle was kind of a necessary part of our spiritual journey. We accepted the friendship, accepted the guidance from other devotees who were also among the saintly persons that we met. And then eventually, after a period of time, then we understood what Krishna's desire was for this planet that we're on. He desires to get as many persons back to the spiritual world as we can possibly get. And so we see in the, in the practices of, of personalities like Indra Swami, Radhanath Swami, Giridharj Swami, uh, so many others whom, who have come here to our temple community from time to time, uh, we, we see that they, they are really, I mean, they have dedicated their lives to helping reclaim those fallen souls. And so what was the, what was the uh, part of the text today? He, uh, Arjuna is describing Krishna and he says, and yet though you are beyond the purview of the material energy, means you, the material energy has no effect on you. You execute the four principles of liberation characterized by religion and so on for the ultimate good of the conditioned souls. So the only reason then that Lord Krishna has come into this material world is to uh, show us what it's like in the spiritual world. Because that's where we came from. That's our real home. And the fact that we're stuck here in this material world, thinking that we're somehow are they going to find some lasting happiness and satisfaction, we, we Krishna knows it's not going to happen. It's, you know, it's His material energy, and He knows the nature of His material energy. He has set it up this way because he doesn't want us languishing, taking little dregs of happiness from our lives. He doesn't want us to continue to have to do that. And he knows that if we live long enough to become old people, that it becomes more and more difficult even to find the, the most basic 
pleasure in life. I mean, even you know, for some of us, for some of us who are past the seventy mark, uh, the uh, just getting up in the morning and moving around and and uh, and doing your normal duties, your chores, uh, even the act of, of sitting down in one place and chanting Hare Krishna for two hours or so at a time, it, it, it requires a lot of determination. As the body gets older, everything requires more determination than it ever did before. And yet, this is what Krishna wants us to do. This is part of the sacrifice that we have to make, especially as we get on in life. As a matter of fact, it's it's better if a person comes to Krishna consciousness earlier in life so that he can actually do something for the Supreme Lord, do something for his spiritual master, and 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 find some happiness, some satisfaction in his life instead of waiting until he gets into his thirties and forties and fifties uh, to take up Krishna consciousness, which is better than not doing so at all. But it would have been better if it had started earlier. My wife and I came. I think I was in my mid thirties, moving up on my mid thirties when we first came to this community. So we've been here for forty some odd years, and uh, and and. We we find that uh, even though it is difficult to continue trying to do some devotion service, still whatever we can do, it's good if we do it. If we just say yes, I'm going to. I'll give you an example of this. Yesterday we we had a, a call out, an emergency call for help. Uh, the pujari room where the deities' clothing and and their very various paraphernalia are kept had been flooded by the rain during yesterday. And we, we're always having some troubles with these roofs that on our buildings. They're old buildings. We've had the roofs repaired, roofs repaired numbers of times. But anyhow, when, uh, I saw that, that, that request come for help. Uh, Nityananda Prabhu, our temple president, he asked that anybody who is available, please come over and help clean up the water because it's gotten all over the Pujari room floor. So I, I I also came over and you know even though it was not not the most pleasant thing to do it was it was a necessary thing and Tabal Krishna Goswami once told us uh, he said uh, emergency service must be taken up so I I reasoned to myself this sounds like an emergency so I went ahead and uh, instead of lying around you know, lazing around the house all afternoon since it's a rainy day outside, I, w- I would come over and, and make an attempt. And, you know, it gave me the greatest pleasure to be with the devotees there in that setting, just uh, all, all of us working hard with, with mops and brooms and towels, you know, trying to get the floor dry. And uh, it, it took probably a couple of hours to do that. And it's not that big a room. So, you know, it was just really, really wet. But anyhow, this was an example of, of taking up a different kind of experience in your daily life that can give a great deal of pleasure. And it's not the kind of thing that we always think about as being a pleasurable thing. Who wants to clean house for pleasure? I don't think many people like to do They like They like the result, of course. But who who would volunteer time just to come and clean somebody else's house? Well, that's what you do when you're a devotee. If the Lord's house needs to be cleaned, well then by golly, we'll come and clean it. 
one time, one day a year, uh, we we generally will give a really thorough, deep cleaning to our entire temple room, and that's we call that the ceremony, the celebration of the cleansing of the Gundicha Temple by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, but some of us don't don't have the opportunity. We miss that. And when we have an occasion like this where there's some emergency happening and we we can actually use our strength, use our abilities to help make things right, then it gives us a great deal of satisfaction to do that. So my encouragement to all all of you who are listening in today is to, you know, participate with Lord Krishna. He wants us to have pleasure. He wants us not to have to suffer throughout our lives. So if, if there's any way that you can take to this some even menial service, making gallows, sweeping floors, washing pots, whatever you can do, or going out and distributing literature to hundreds and thousands of people, as many devotees do, then by all means you should do it, especially when you've got the youthful strength and energy to do that. Hare Krishna. And with that, we'll end. Any questions or comments? All right. Well, I'm I'm very proud that all of you have chosen to join us today for this uh, short discourse. I hope it's been short. I hope it seems like it's been short. It's been a pleasure to be back here in the temple room with you again after uh, it's been closed and then opened and then closed again because of the pandemic. So we just ask all of you, if you can come to the temple, uh, please do. Um, but uh, but please also be sure to come in, in very small groups. If, don't don't uh, fill the temple room right now at this point because this this dreaded COVID nineteen thing is still causing a lot a lot of anxiety. So come in and be sure to wear your mask. Be sure to wash your hands. Keep yourself clean uh, coming and going. And so that uh, we won't have to be coming to the hospital to see you. So uh, at this point, we'll say, Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Shishi Radha Kalachandidam Ki Jai, Gora Premananda, Hari Hari Bhong. All glories to the assembled devotees. Vantakalpa Tarubhyas Cha Kripa Sindhubhyevacha Patinanam Bhavanibhyo Vaishnabhyo Namo Namah Anantakoti Vaishnabhrinda Ki Jai Hare Krishna everybody. Have a good day.